It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Good morning. Welcome to Friday's Cork Today. Our lines are open 0818-103-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Email across the show corktoday at c103.ie. And ahead, the HSE's Chief Clinical Officer has admitted that, and something I think we all know at this stage, patients who could end up in A&E will be on trolleys for 24 hours this coming winter. We'll be discussing that and also how e-cigarettes it can be as bad for your heart as smoking. Two new studies out this week are claiming this and as vaping now is so popular, are more laws required when it comes to vaping? We're going to speak with Fine Gael Health Spokesperson Colin Burke on this shortly. Also, we're going to hear the story of a young boy from uh, the well, Connections, first of all, to Liscarroll in North Cork, living in County Mayo, who is suffering from a rare genetic condition affecting his muscles. Uh, this is young Oliver Barlow, whose dad signed will join us on the show this morning and on Garda Shikona celebrated its centenary recently and for 40 of those 100 years Superintendent Con Cadigan has been policed in Cork. He's retiring and we're going to hear his thoughts on the changing nature of policing in this country. Also we're going to discuss eye health on the programme this morning while we all uh, talk about various parts of our body when it comes to health and our mental health. Uh, sometimes we forget about our eyes. Uh, so discussing eye health later in the show and after midday this Sunday we'll see the return of I'm a Celebrity are you a fan of the show if you are let us know because the show is back in Australia for the first time since 2019 the last few years it was uh, being broadcast from a castle in Wales back in Oz now uh, just outside Brisbane and our showbiz reporter Crossy uh, will join us to look ahead to uh, to see uh, first of all and chat about the interesting characters that are going to appear in this year's show Crossy will join us after midday and then we'll be going to the movies and reviewing those with Mark after 12.30. So that and more to come. Uh, your views are welcome on what we're discussing or if there's something you want to raise on the show this morning you can call Bernie on 0818 103 103 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and as today is Friday and many people would be heading out tonight well it seems Thursday is now the new Friday with customers shifting their socialising due to remote working and the rising cost of living uh, this is the new report that is out from Borbia and as inflation has hit a 40 year high 
reply, many staff are still working from home post-pandemic, but pubs and restaurants have said that midweek trading and at the weekend has become very unpredictable, uh, with the exception of Thursday, because that is seemingly firmly uh, the new social night of the week in cities, whereby Friday was an evening where people would go out after work. It is now Thursday, as the majority of working, it would seem, is now carried out on a Friday. And you can also see that with traffic levels. This week is a bad week to look at it because of midterm, but usually a rush or a traffic on a Friday is at a different time than it would be from a Monday to a Thursday. And it can be, depending on what time you're leaving in the morning, it can be always quieter on the roads on a Friday. So uh, there is something behind this report from um, Borbia, uh, but it's not for everybody because they look at urban and rural. And when it comes to rural, any publicans, and I'm sure those listening will agree with this, they have noticed a decline in its regular local customers for a number of reasons. The changes, I suppose, in laws over the years, they can't get to the bar. And secondly, many just seemingly uh, can no longer afford to drink. So your rural area is not seeing any benefit or any change, uh, just a decline. Whereas in cities areas and urban areas, they are seeing that on a Thursday, not really a Friday, but a Thursday, uh, cities are buzzing with workers who are going out. So the changing nature of socialising in this country. But then from one extreme to the other, a report from Barnardo's shows that a quarter of families have said there were times in the last year where they did not have enough food to feed their children. Uh, This is highlighting the reality of what we have been discussing over the last few months, the cost of living crisis. And uh, while people can't uh, really afford to uh, feed their kids, some 41% have been consciously cutting back on food spending. And these figures show how starkly uh, the cost of groceries and the cost of bills coming in are hitting families right across this country. Uh, Your views are welcome on that 0818 103103 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and then uh, to Killarney where at a local uh, council meeting uh, many feel that Killarney is at a crossroads and will have to face the reality of whether it can continue as a major tourist centre or become a direct provision and refugee centre due to the numbers now in tourist accommodation in Killarney. A lot of the hotels now are housing those seeking refuge in Ireland or asylum. And at the Killarney Municipal Meeting uh, that was held earlier this week, uh, they were told that the level of goodwill that was in Killarney previously uh, towards refugees is no longer there because of the numbers arriving and the pressure on the health, education and other services as well as fears for the future of the town's tourism. So Killarney would have a population of around 10,000 people. Uh, it now accommodates around 3,000 refugees and asylum seekers. This was information given at that meeting in Killarney. And one of the independent councillors, uh, he's a former mayor of the town, Brendan Cronin, he said uh, that Killarney next March is going to be a major tourist destination uh, or is it going to become uh, the centre for direct provision in the uh, southwest? because accommodation providers in Killarney are going to be have and have to be asked that question uh, said uh, the former mayor while Fianna Fáil councillor Niall Kelleher who is the current mayor of Killarney uh, first of all he said that the discussion was dignified and reasonable at the meeting uh, and they were going to take on board what was said but Niall Callaghan then uh, who's on the council but he's a well-known hotelier in the town he's asking for the finance minister Pascal Dunahoo to come to Killarney because on the foot of pub and restaurant and cafe businesses he's claiming uh, trade is down by 
40%. So mixed views to in Killarney about the intake of refugees and asylum seekers to the town. And one thing that maybe was mentioned now in the in the meeting, uh, outside of, of, of those coming to the town of Killarney, I was in Dingle uh, during the summer and also uh, because I'm from West Cork, I was speaking to various people involved in the hotel industry and the general tourism industry and they felt that they had seen an increase in tourists to West Kerry and West Cork as many first of all Irish who were having staycations were staying away from Killarney due to the high cost in the town uh, they felt going out or getting hotel accommodation was just simply too high and they were choosing different destinations if they wished to holiday in the southwest. Uh, and many I spoke to across the summer months said that is why Killarney is also seeing a downturn in tourism because they have outpriced themselves out of the market and people simply can no longer afford to pay the huge prices within Killarney so people were going to different areas of uh, South Kerry, of West Cork, choosing different areas. But from just my own experience, I felt that West Kerry and West Cork were gaining out of this uh, across the summer months. So uh, a number of factors hitting, which is always a huge tourist destination. But the question is for 2023, uh, will it continue to be? And that was a, a massive discussion at the Killarney Municipal Meeting uh, earlier this week regarding what they can do with accommodation. I'm sure other towns uh, we'll be thinking the same. Your views are welcome. 0818-103-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Uh, Heidi on WhatsApp is asking about the price of diesel. Uh, she's saying it's up to two euro or more. So someone is making money out of the motorist. Again, can anyone say where there is a better price? Well, the majority, Heidi or right, are, are charging around two euros for diesel. And we discussed this earlier on in the month or last month. And also we discussed this yesterday and how the oil company are making huge profits when it comes to fuel right across the world in the billions in just the last three months uh, which when you just look at three months and the fact they're making billions you look at the overall year and see the profits that, that they are making at the expense of motorists but uh, the reason for this along with the factors you hear day in day out it's thought one of the reasons is a surplus in petrol production and then a less of a, a surplus so there's more in petrol coming down the pipes than there is in diesel and that is accounting for the difference in prices that's one of the reasons if that makes sense that's what the experts are telling us anyhow so there seems to be more petrol being produced than diesel and also every other factor with what's going on at the moment across the world the cost of living the cost of transport and all of that uh, but diesel at the moment which was usually the other way around petrol was always more expensive now it's diesel more expensive anyhow Hadi, uh, if anybody can help Heidi out if you know of any area where there is a cheaper uh, for a diesel of under two euro let us know on text or whatsapp 0862103103 but on the way next discussing e or vaping with e-cigarettes are more laws required when it comes to vaping and also how the HSE's chief clinical officer is saying if you're going to A&E this winter you expect to be stuck on a trolley for over 24 hours uh, discussing that next Court today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 e-cigarettes can be as bad for your heart as smoking two new studies this week claim people
people who regularly vape experience worrisome changes in their heart and indeed their blood vessel function. Well, the Fine Gael spokesperson on health and Cork North Central Deputy Colin Burke joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Colin. Good morning. And before I get into the e-cigarettes and vaping, you'll be aware of reports in this morning's Examiner and indeed Echo on something uh, that we, I think, know was going to come down the line. First of all, the Chief ex- chief Clinical Officer for the HSC is admitting that if you were going to be going to hospital, uh, to A&E this coming winter, expect to be on trolleys for 24 hours. Colm Henry has raised concern at the future for the winter services across our hospital network. And then here in Cork on our main hospital, CUH and the Mercy, ambulances are waiting over an hour and 15 minutes on average at the hospitals before they can leave to accept another call. Both those cases we've heard over and over again here at C103 and more so for ambulances in rural areas from people who can be waiting a long, long time, not the fault of the operators, uh, but of the health system. Uh, I mean, Colin, I suppose as you're, you're the spokesperson for Fine Gael on health. Uh, is there any or ever going to be a solution to these problems? Well, we have a major um, challenge now in relation to healthcare because remember the population of the country has increased by 1.2 million over the last 20 years. Uh, it's a huge increase. You know, the workforce has increased by over 650,000 people. Therefore, you have more people now living in the country. And even a simple example, you know, we've got the uh, CSO figures for from the um, the last, uh, in, you know, the last census. But in fact, in, you know, the population of the country has been increasing by an average of 60,000 per annum over the last 20 years. That's 60,000 each year. This year, my reckoning is that the population is going to increase by 150,000. And the evidence of that is that in the first nine months of this year, there were 232,000 new uh, PPS numbers issued. And the amazing thing is the number of PPS numbers issued, it was something like 53,000 to Irish people, 55,000 to um, Ukrainians, uh, refugees who come in here. And then we have 13 or 14,000 Brazilians. So there's a huge range of people have been issued with PPS numbers. So it gives it an indication of the increase in population. Therefore, you have a, a huge then pressure on the health services. In addition to that, you also have a, a growing number of people. Um, you know, the, the people are living longer. So the um, people over 65, that population is increasing at a phenomenal rate. For instance, we have, um, I think, 760,000 people over 65 currently within eight years that's going to increase to over a million therefore there's going to be a a continuous pressure on the health system and we need decisive uh, action taken for instance on the elective hospital in Cork is which one of the issues that I've been pressing very hard over the last two to three years Um, we're hoping to have a decision this month uh, as regards the site and that we can get on process but in the immediate uh, um, problem that we have, we need to be able to get people out of hospital faster in relation to step-down facilities. And again, we have a problem in relation to, say, we have a challenge with nursing homes as regards getting staff. I was talking to one nursing home in the last week where they have 14 beds, um, which are kind of step-down beds, so uh, kind of... Um, 
the, the um, where, where people can come in there for say two weeks or three weeks at a yeah. time. But then we're seeing nursing they're, homes call them closing as well because they're uh, looking at right. the cost of but, living and the cost of but, running a home. But the problem with this nursing home is, for instance, they can only have three of that 14 beds open because they can't get staff. So there's a challenge there. So there's a challenge in quite a number of areas. But I think the big issue about hospitals is that you can't get people through acts and emergency unless you can free up beds. And therefore, we have to look at how do we free up beds in a faster time scale. And that's one of the challenges that we have. And if we're intaking all these people into Ireland and our population is growing, why then are we not investing in the health service? Well, I know you mentioned the hospital there which is due to be announced this month. You have the challenges from Australia, the state of Victoria, and now Canada actively here in Ireland, out and about, and signs up near hospitals regarding advertising, asking nurses to leave Ireland and work for better terms and conditions in Canada or in Melbourne. Absolutely, and that's that's going to be the challenge as well because, you know, no, we, we have, as you know, the there's been a net increase of people, of Irish people coming back home in the last three years as opposed to people leaving. So we have actually um, people who are qualified nurses and doctors who are coming back, but we will have a substantial increase in the number leaving in the next 12 months because remember, a lot of people over the last three years did not move because of the COVID restrictions, etc. That's now all opening up. So we've got to look at new, um, I suppose, procedures as well as regards, you know, <clears throat> are there some duties that um, we're requiring nursing staff to deal with where we could have care assistance dealing with them? Are there some duties that junior doctors are dealing with where nursing staff are more than well qualified to deal with? So we need to look at all of that in relation to trying to deal um, with the challenge. And remember, you know, you go back in the last two years, three years, when COVID was first came here, in fairness to the hospitals, in fairness to the staff, whether it was doctors, nurses, junior doctors, care assistants, porters, everyone worked extremely hard and actually dealt with the issue in a very robust way and made sure that we got, uh, you know, the the um, the best possible services provided to those who did contract uh, COVID and I think that's extremely important to realise as well. Now the question is what do we now need to deal with the, uh, do with the hospitals as regards helping to <clears throat> to, uh, to increase the um, the, the turnover, or sorry, the increased turnover would make sure that we can get people through the system faster but the one way of doing that and the only way of doing it is making sure we can free up beds in a faster time frame and how we get people out into step-down facilities who require care but don't need necessarily need the full level of care that's provided in the hospital. OK, well, we'll wait and see if that can be implemented across <clears throat> the winter given what we're hearing from the uh, HSC. But what we initially asked you to come on about regarding e-cigs and uh, so many studies out this week and a lot of talk about nicotine as well. Uh, but vaping is always seen as the safer alternative to cigarettes. But looking at the reports this week, do we need more laws around vaping as wherever you go now? There's a vaping shop in every street corner. Yeah, well, you see, the, the one of the things that I'm calling for this week is, you know, in capping the levels of nicotine in all cigarette products. Um, in fact, the Biden administration in the US intend bringing that legislation in. At the moment, at the EU level, there's the Tobacco Products Directive review ongoing at the moment. And I think Ireland should give the lead by looking for a capping on the level of nicotine in all uh, cigarette products. 
playing all tobacco products um, and I think that's the start. We then need to look at this whole issue about um, about um, e-cigarettes and the Health Committee, uh, which I'm a member of, the Oireachtas Health Committee, we've already um, gone through the pre-legislative scrutiny in relation to the Public Health Tobacco and Nicotine Inhaling Products Bill and that report our report was finished in July of this year and we have sent that back to the department. So we're looking for the legislation to be brought in in relation to e-cigarettes. And I think the, there is a concern now. If you go across Europe, um, the average number of people uh, smoking across Europe is 18.4% and it varies very much from country to country. Say, for instance, you take in Bulgaria, it's at 28.75%, whereas Sweden is 6.4%. In Ireland, there's been a slight increase in the number of people smoking. It's around 18%. And we also have the challenge in that we have, say, 14, I think the figures in relation to young people, and this is a study now done, I think, in 2019, um, early 2020, 14.4% of 15 to 16-year-olds were smoking. That was 16% boys and 13.6% girls. So there is a concern. Um, and, you know, there is clear evidence that smoking does damage a person's health. There's no clear evidence from two reports just presented at a conference uh, which which is on this week in Chicago. Uh, it's the American Health Association Scientific um, Conference. And there's two uh, research projects presented at that which clearly show that e-cigarettes, in fact, does have adverse effect on uh, in relation to um, in relation to um, the uh, it's nearly the same as, as as smoking itself. Yeah, the heart increase, and, and the blood vessel <coughs> function does change after e-cigarettes. Increase, does it, it increase blood pressure and there's a heart rate and blood vessel constriction uh, which occurs as a result of uh, using e-cigarettes. And while you mentioned that, <coughs> I can see already texts coming in from people saying, "Here we are again, new laws taking away people's freedoms." But would you argue, argue from our conversation at the start regarding the pressures on our health service, the less that do smoke and now vape, according to the studies uh, that it is less pressure on our health service if we stay away from cigarettes and vaping because a lot of young people that never smoke are vaping. Yeah, I I think, you know, over the last 50 years, all of the evidence shows that uh, people who do smoke are more at risk. Therefore, once you um, develop a medical condition you there's dead a demand on the on the health service and we must be doing everything possible to try and reduce down the level of risk to people's health and one of the ways of doing that is by reducing the number of people that are smoking and now by reducing the number of people that are using e-cigarettes and i think it's extremely important that people that are vaping that the evidence is there to research this is a you know two separate research projects in the states clearly show that the use of e-cigarettes doesn't resolve a problem. You may be moving from cigarettes to e-cigarettes, but it doesn't really resolve the problem long-term in relation to your own health. Would you be Um, fearful, Colin, that with all these changes and the increasing prices of cigarettes, we're already seeing some smuggling across the border. Uh, Would that increase, do you think? It's it's not some smuggling, it's substantial smuggling. And I think the evidence of this was during the... um, during the lockdown when it wasn't possible for, say for instance, people weren't travelling abroad so they weren't bringing, and in a lot of cases it's not necessarily smuggling either, it's people coming back from holidays bringing um, the full um, quota of cigarettes that they're allowed to bring in. In fact, we saw a substantial sale 
in the number of cigarettes during the COVID period. I think it went up by over 150 million in a 12-month time period. That's because people couldn't access them either illegally or by bringing them back from abroad. Therefore, you know, the number of people smoking is, I think, higher than what the figures um, are showing and the amount being consumed is higher than what the figures are actually showing. You know, a lot of the figures about um, that that are there are on the basis of sales, um, and I think we need to make sure we can tighten um, and restrict products coming in illegally because we, in a lot of those products that are coming in illegally, we're not sure of what is the content of those products as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, true. And that, that's, the, that's the other danger there. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens <coughs> for the moment, Colin. We have to leave it there. Thanks for yep. joining us this morning. That is the Fina Gale spokesperson on health and Cork North Central Deputy, Colin Burke. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Oliver Barlow is a five-year-old with connections to Cork who was diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. His father, Simon Barlow, joins me. Good morning to you, Simon. Good morning, JP. Thanks a million for having me on. We appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for joining us this morning. I suppose let's start first of all by talking and explaining about Duchenne muscular dystrophy because this is, it's a genetic disorder, isn't it, related to muscular degeneration? That's correct, JP. Yes, it's a, it's genet- it's a genetic um, disease passed down, unfortunately, from uh, Oliver's mother, Siobhan, uh, Obviously, we're totally unaware of it. Uh, uh, nothing in the family before it, so it, it unfortunately could happen to any family. It's it's not it's there's not there's no family history. Of it, do you know what I mean? It's so um, unfortunately it can happen to anybody. Um, so you just never know. So your health is your wealth. That's what I like to say. You know, I'm sure yeah. you've heard it before. We have indeed. Um, you're totally correct when you say that phrase. And what impact will this have then? On Oliver, as he gets older, I presume his muscles will weaken. Yes, JP. It's, uh, unfortunately, it starts in the calf muscles. I mean, he got a very early diagnosis. A lot of boys and girls, indeed. I mean, it's very rare for girls, one in 50 million, but they are obviously out there. Um, he got an early diagnosis around two years of age, which is which is unusual because a lot of boys aren't diagnosed until the five or six. So he was diagnosed around two um, we were called. We were called into the hospital just to get bloods done, and uh, by the public health nurse. And they rang us that evening. Could we come on the following day? So we knew something was up. But it starts in the calf muscles, and when he's around six, depending on how quickly it spreads, the muscles he stops basically producing a chemical called dystrophin, which we all produce, which makes our muscles grow. So he'll stop producing that when he hits around six, and instead of the muscles growing they start to turn to scar tissue and the muscles start to die. And that will spread up from his calves up to his body, um, to his midriff. And by that stage, he'll have to go in a wheelchair because he won't be able to walk. And then, unfortunately, being the horrible disease that it is, it'll spread to his arms, hands, etc. Because people forget that everything you do, every single thing you do, whether you blink, pass wind, God forbid me, walk, anything, it's all to do with muscles and uh, it'll spread up his body and he'll be unable to use his arms and legs, etc., and hands and all his insides and eventually it gets to the heart and lungs and um, that's normally what, um, how do you put it, finishes off the boy or the girl. That's what um, ends it for them. And does boys, does boys die, JP, at 10 years of age from it? Um, it's, it's not... 
it's not oh, mid to late teens, maybe early 20s. It, it totally depends on the boy and how quick it spreads, etc. But most boys won't live past their mid, 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 mid-teens, late teens, JP. And you mentioned no. there the no. public health nurse. Was that just a routine blood test or were they aware yeah, something it, was I wrong? Uh, I'm sure lots of parents out there listening have heard of tummy time and lifting the head up when they're young, getting them on their tummy. And he was a bit slow to do that. He wasn't great with the head lifting when he was doing his tummy time. And he was a bum shuffler. No different to his sister, JP, but um, you know, we put it down to just being oh, lazy. Babies are lazy as well. They'll take the easy way out. But mainly due to the fact that he wasn't lifting his head up enough when he was doing tummy time. And she just noticed and said, I'd just like to get something checked. And uh, that's when it all, that's when we found out, unfortunately, from the blood test that he had Duchenne's muscle dystrophy. And I mentioned Oliver is five years old now. It's his birthday this weekend. So we wish him a, a pretty happy birthday for, for Saturday when he'd be turning six. How is he at the moment? Though? Is he aware of all of this? What's going on with his body? Well, thank you for the birthday wishes. I'm sure he'll love it. Um, he's not. Thank God. Thank goodness. Um, he's He's nearly six. I mean... He's, he's aware that he can't, he's started to become aware now that he can't keep up with his friends. Uh, you know, when they're running, playing cops and robbers uh, at school or at play dates or at children's parties. And um, he, he knows that his legs get tired. Obviously, he's only six or coming on six. He doesn't know why. And even his sister, Emily, who's who will be eight in February, so she's a year, nearly two years older than him. She just says, oh, Oliver has tired, sick legs. But obviously, she doesn't know either. And... Unfortunately, with social media and the internet and everything, we're, you know, we worry for the future that he's going to find out far too early, and indeed his sister as well. You know, but we try to limit uh, exposure to it. That's why I'm actually sat in the car outside the house now, now JP, because obviously I don't want them overhear anything in case they start asking questions. You know? Yeah, totally. And as you say, Emily and Oliver both, you know, growing up and unaware of this, but you and Mum Siobhan are very aware and you're preparing now as he gets older. So, I mean, for yourselves, what's ahead? I know you're a carpenter by trade, so adapting the home, has that begun? Well, no, uh, the story is, JP, uh, thankfully, a couple of years ago, we got a mortgage uh, after a lot of hard work and many different banks, like a lot of people. Um, we've actually built, the house is built now. We're in the house, thank goodness, um, before all the prices went mad for all these poor other people trying to build and self-build. But the house is all set up as much as it can be for now with big wide hallways, massive big wide doors. Um, we have a Jack and Jill bathroom set up and all the appropriate non-slip tiles so that when we do go for grants and we need certain things that won't be funded by the government, um, we're set up as much as possible for now. And look, hopefully it'll be a few years yet. But like I said, he could be in a wheelchair a year from now. Hopefully it's three or four years from now. It, it, every child, it depends on how quickly the disease progresses in any particular child, boy or girl. Um, so... Uh, We've done as much as we can for now, um, based on our mortgage. And obviously, uh, these small things, they still cost money, but the small things we've done with the house now are going to be a massive help down the road that we're not butchering the house and cutting out consoles, dust, mess, and big disruption. So we're lucky, if you want to call it that, that we hadn't built uh, before we found out about Oliver's diagnosis, because obviously a two-story house, etc., 
wouldn't be a lot of good to us in Oliver down the road, you know? Yeah, and is that hard then knowing when you, you know, you got the mortgage for the house, but you, when you're planning the house, was that tough knowing the plans you it were was, putting in place? It was, Look, we uh, have to say the CRC, the Central Remedial Clinic in Dublin, um, they're a great bunch. They deal with uh, a lot of boys and girls and adults even um, with life-limiting diseases, etc. So they were very good and the physio and the occupational therapist were great. They looked over the drawings, the house plans with us to, to make suggestions because the big thing, it's all about a two-metre turn in circle, JP, for anybody in a wheelchair, mm. which is should be in any new build and big wide footpaths. It should be it should be made law, really. There are, they've got a lot better, JP, but there's still a lot to be done, even, even out and about. Now, there's a lot of places are not wheelchair friendly. Um, we've and we've only noticed that obviously because ever since Oliver's diagnosis, you now it's made us obviously much more aware of that. So there's a lot of improvements been done everywhere. But we'll and see. as you are adapting your lives in the future, your home and indeed uh, getting various equipment, you know it, it is costly. And it was great to see last weekend, and we were advertising it here on C103 that the community of Liscarroll and uh, right across Cork gathered around to raise funds last weekend. And you also have a GoFundMe page. Yes, we do, JP, and uh, it's it, it it brought us to tears. That we 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 came back up the other day, and uh, we seen the GoFundMe page is doing really well, and the charity Carol and Liz Carol, which was organised by um, Siobhan's brother, who is Oliver's uncle, obviously, and Godfather. Um, we had tears in our eyes coming home and getting back here because the money that's been raised by obviously family and friends down there and up here. Uh, it's 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 brilliant. It's going to be so. It's going to help so much, especially down the road. Like I said, it could be a year from now, but hope, hopefully it's longer. But look, we have a lot of appointments, same as any parents or anybody with, that has a, a sick family member. And there's a lot of days off, a lot of going up and down to Dublin and so on. And it's financially, it obviously puts a lot of stress on us um, to keep the bills paid, same as everybody else with the price of living. It's it's tough going, same as it is for everybody, and it's, it's going to be a big help. And hopefully over the next couple of years, the charity event down this car will get bigger. Obviously, great more money to help with our future needs. But the big thing as well is the awareness of this, because it's very, there's not a lot of people know about it. Even some doctors and nurses haven't really heard about it, because it's rare, but it can happen to anybody. And that's, that's, that's what we're trying to say, even with this interview, that even though it's rare, it's 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 a horrible disease, but it can happen to anybody. And the awareness is a big thing. And if if we can get people more aware, JP, it can also help with funding down the road, possibly finding a cure. Because at present, JP, there's no cure and there's no real treatment. Um, and for us, as I'm sure any other family with uh, Duchenne children or boys or girls, being told that. We were told to go home and enjoy our child, basically, the day we found out when he was two years old. I mean, that's it's it's hard and, and and that there's no real treatment and there's no cure. It's hard to have hope, JP. You know, it's it's hard to keep going every day. But parents have said to us, oh, how do you keep going? Like, I could never do that. But you've no choice, JP. You mm. have to keep going for a kid. And any parent would do the same, I'm sure. You, know, you just have to keep going and get on with it. Keep the sunny side out. I'm not deeply religious, JP, and I hope there's something at the end because um, I have prayed a lot more in the last few years than I ever did before, and I'll keep praying because that's all we can do, pray for a cure. 
Yeah, and as you say, the more awareness there is of this, of the ocean, and the further research that is carried out, hopefully, you know, they'll be able to prevent this uh, and um, come up with a cure, hopefully, in, in the next number of years. But the awareness is key, as you mentioned. And yourself, we're mentioning Liz Carroll here. Where are you guys based? Uh, well, Siobhan is just from up the road from Liz Carroll. She was born bred there with her five sisters and all that. We moved up to um, Mayo a few years ago, JP. Um, I def- my mother lived here for many years. Um, unfortunately, she's not here anymore. She she moved abroad, but uh, this is where this is where we set up a few years ago. And there was Daniel, uh, the uncle, that organised the event, unknown to us at the start. And like I said, we're so thankful that she um, did it. And there's a lot of work in. I just like to say now, if it's okay, that to Daniel and Schwann's family, and especially Uncle Daniel, uh, Oliver's godfather. And the family were were so thankful, and thank you, Daniel, for all the effort because it takes a lot of work that most people don't see. A lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, etc., to organise something like this, especially first time doing it. Um, and he's done a brilliant job, and hundred percent credit to him. He, he deserves all the praise he gets because it's not easy. Yeah, and so fairness, once again, yeah. thank, you, thank you to everybody in this Carroll and the surrounding areas. Everybody just donated on the GoFundMe. And 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 that donated on the day for the car run. It's it's just overwhelming, and we are so so thankful. And we can't we can't show appreciation enough to everybody. Yeah, and that charity car run that Daniel organised, as you said, they're tough to organise, but he he did put it off. So well done to him for that, and to yourself, Simon, and indeed to Siobhan and Emily. Best of luck to you. Will you say hi again to Oliver Ferris and wish him a big happy birthday for Saturday, and stay in touch if there's anything fundraising wise uh, that you want to highlight over the next while. Uh, get in contact with us, and we'll we'll mention that here on C103 for you. Well, that's brilliant, JP, and thank you, and we appreciate it. And thanks again for um, highlighting this and getting on the show. And look, we'll pray for the future, and, and thanks a million for your time. We appreciate it. No problem, Simon, and you look after yourself, and thanks for speaking with us this morning. Thanks a million. Take care. Thank you. Simon Barlow there joining us regarding his son Oliver and you'll find the GoFundMe link right now on our C103 Twitter feed. Our lines are open. Bernie taking your calls across the morning 0818 103 103 if there's something you want to raise on the show or indeed uh, discuss what we are discussing commenting on that. Your, your views are welcome on the phone number or indeed you can always text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and we were discussing earlier with the Fine Gael Health Spokesperson and Cork North Central Deputy Colin Burke. This was regarding news this morning in the Examiner and the Echo. First of all, the HSE's Chief Clinical Officer has admitted that patients can expect to be stuck on trolleys for 24 hours if you are visiting or have to visit the country's emergency departments across the winter. Colin Henry raised concern also at the planning extension of pub hours, which he feels next year could drive up demand for A&Es. And then the ambulance waiting times uh, more than an hour and 15 minutes on average while they park up outside CUH and the Mercy waiting for their patients to be admitted so they can then uh, go off and be ready to accept another call. Uh, so the, a lot of commentary in on, on what we discussed with Colm on that. First of all, Dorothy says... 
that recently uh, she had to attend A&E with her daughter. This was last week. Now, the staff, she said, were just fantastic, but it's clear to see they are just so understaffed. We waited for 12 hours and thankfully we were left home, but our daughter, while she is fine now, is the health service Dorothy feels needs resourcing to solve any crisis. We can talk and talk about building new hospitals and improving the service, uh, but if we are intaking and our population is increasing, uh, then we have to resource our health service, which clear to see from Dorothy attending A&E is under-resourced and the staff doing the best they can. While Alana on the ambulance uh, times uh, and what we were discussing also regarding how people are waiting for ambulances, uh, she says ambulance times, uh, they have been like this for the past. Anybody waiting for an ambulance will know this. Nothing seems to be changing. Now, Alana says she knows of relatives of her who live on the Barrett Peninsula and they had to wait for a number of years. Uh, and this was a number of years ago. They had to wait over an hour and a half for an ambulance to arrive. The ambulance was in a different county at one stage and travelling to the Beira Peninsula. The paramedics and the staff in the ambulance service are fantastic, but they are overstretched. It's always areas like South Kerry, West Cork and Duhallow, where ambulance times seem to be longer. But now, as we hear t- this morning, everywhere seems to be affected as the staff must wait until their patient is admitted before leaving either CUH or the Mercy. Uh, but Alana uh, highlighting what many would say in those areas she mentions there as well outside of the Barra Peninsula, also areas like uh, Duhallow and other areas of West Cork which are affected. Thank you, Alana, for your WhatsApp to 0862 and then on costs, and this was a report from Bernard out this morning on how a quarter of families have said there were times in the last 12 months that they didn't have enough food to feed their kids. And some 41% have consciously been cutting back on food spending. Now, these figures show how starkly the cost of living crisis is hitting families right across this country. And first of all, Tom, Tom is a farmer near Donrell who says beef farmers will be going out of business soon if they don't get a fair price for their cattle and then there would be no beef in the shops for so less for people to choose from when it comes to food that's Tom's view who still says there is a problem when it comes to getting a fair price for cattle uh, for our farmers which is something we had a large discussion on I would say three, four years ago on the show uh, and protests held over the price of beef. Uh, Tom says that still continues. And then when I was discussing uh, regarding that Bernardo's uh, survey and people finding it hard to put food on the table, we got an email from Kate and or Katie, sorry, and Katie says, I do feel for those who are finding it hard to put food on the table and it is a problem, but I am not making light of this while typing this email uh, but I do feel, says Katie, that there are many ways to get food cheap in this country. For example, yesterday Katie was in her local super value. Uh, they had an offer to buy mince and then beef burgers and if you bought both together you paid 5 euros the pasta was on uh, offer as well for 80 cent so other supermarkets have similar offers and deals on veg which could be made into soup when adding up the cost and portion sizes for meals and this would be a normal portion size says Katie uh, she feels this amount of food could last a family for maybe 3 or 4 days and would roughly cost 10 euros to 12 euros 
but there is offers out there and you can get food cheaply yes prices are going up and that 10 euros can be dear for someone if you're also then getting milk and bread and other groceries but if people watch out for those offers it might help them I feel sometimes people think everything is out of their reach but even if it involves cooking more at home and cooking from scratch you can make a meal for a reasonable amount says Katie to Cork Today at c103.ie and I would let a lot of people agree with Katie on that uh, your views are welcome text or whatsapp 0862103103 or you can call Bernie on 0818103103 and then something that has been reported this morning in the papers by Fanon Sheen of the Indo, uh, Simon Harris, Minister Simon Harris, the higher education minister. Well, he's disposing of his luxury car because now that is surplus to requirements. Why is it surplus? Well, he's been provided with a new state car and a guarded driver at your expense, the taxpayer's expense. Now, that was mentioned earlier on this year that ministers would get this and a lot of the reason they're getting guard drivers is because of the abuse ministers faced over the earlier part of this year. Uh, but he has an Audi A6 and the, his Audi A6 now he's selling. It's on the market for 43, is it 43,000? Yeah, 43,500 euros he's selling this Audi A6. And I don't know why he did this, but he decided to post an ad to his Twitter account uh, selling the car. Uh, later, he deleted it. So that's where this story was picked up on. Uh, he's reshuffling his transport and looking for a more family-friendly car for personal use. Uh, but he is selling his Audi and the main reason is because he'll be receiving now a new state car and a Garda driver. Uh, and his taxpayers will be paying for that Garda driver. Not just for him, but for all uh, the ministers. Uh, and this is more a security measure in one way, uh, but also it just shows the, uh, the first of all, the money that is going to be spent on all of those ministers at the taxpayers expense giving them a new state car for him anyhow and indeed a guard driver uh, your views welcome on that and we go from people who can't put food on the table uh, to the other side of life how the others live uh, yeah there's a, a big difference even that car if you sell that and get 43 grand for it uh, that would put a lot of food on someone's table uh, your views are welcome you can email cork today at c103.ie and what I mentioned Twitter there uh, a few people texting and this is something that's on our news across the morning. Uh, Twitter, of course, are going to downsize. Elon Musk has the billionaire bought Twitter last week and not unusual because Eileen is saying, isn't it very sad this morning to hear about those that will lose their jobs in Twitter and the way they will lose their jobs by email. It just seems so, so cruel without a human touch, says Eileen on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Well, uh, not unusual that big companies do that. If there's ever a, a massive buyout by global companies if one buys out another or if some other company buy out a different company you will see changes and usually it does mean staff redundancies because whoever is the new manager the new boss has to be seen to be doing something and one of the things they always seem to do is make staff redundant because they will downsize and save cost for the new company and he feels there's cost to be saved regarding Twitter that it wasn't making enough money and it does seem that Irish staff are affected by this some have confirmed on their own social media sites that they are losing their jobs and they've confirmed that in the last hour or so but Elon Musk needs to make it to work and needs to make money and while half of the staff will be made redundant 
and they'll receive an email at four o'clock Irish time you'll get in well the workers of Twitter will receive an email uh, if it goes to their work accounts their job is more than, than likely going to be saved if it goes to their personal email accounts uh, they'll be told they're redundant and then they'll be following links and how the process will work for them and again not, while people say it's cruel yes it is cruel but it, it isn't unusual a lot of major companies will do it that way uh, if it's just a, a fraction of people are being redundant they'll be brought in you'll be given a letter usually the day before and brought in uh, or an email and brought into a, a meeting the next day and told and I think when you get the email you'll fairly know what the meeting's about uh, but for larger companies like Twitter when it's physically not possible to have everybody brought into a meeting if there's a lot of people being uh, let go either you're brought into a room of 30 or 40 people and told good luck goodbye and this is the process and over the next year you'll all be going or it can happen that way so yeah it is cruel and I know there's a lack of humanity as a lot of people are saying uh, but it's not just Twitter do that a lot of companies have done it over the years uh, but if you think it's cruel your views are welcome on that it should, even though it is a global company should somebody somewhere still come and chat to the staff even if it is 50 or 60 in a room 0818103103 our lines are open you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 and just to give a mention to the guys who are out and about if you're in Mallow today uh, the Simon community are in Mallow their volunteers of the Simon community are collecting for Simon they'll be around Mallow Town uh, all day today so if you're in and around Mallow do support the work of the Simon community on the way we're going to be discussing eye health and next retiring superintendent Con Callaghan is going to speak to us on his thoughts for the changing nature of a police force in this country as the Garda Shikona themselves celebrate their centenary this year. Forty of those were served uh, with Con. We'll speak with him next. C103 Jobs. Dano Super Value in Mallow need a fresh food manager. You can email your interest to 344.mallow.hr at supervalue.ie. Araglin House Hotel are recruiting a maintenance supervisor. Apply with your CV to chris at araglinhouse.ie. And construction workers are needed in Bantry. Safe pass and manual handling is essential. You can email your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Ungar the celebrated its centenary recently and for 40 of those 100 years, Superintendent Con Callaghan has been policing Cork. The Cora man who retires from the force joins me. Good morning to you, Con. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I suppose, first of all, take us back when you came out of uh, Templemore. Was it always Cork is where you were based? Ah, yes. I came out in in February 1983 and I went to McCartan Street in Cork. And then in 1984, I went up to Grauner The new stations on the north side of Cork City were open, both Grauner Brother and Mayfield. Uh, Served up there until 1990. Moved to Key and Cork then for three years in the Crime Task Force. Uh, promoted in 93 to sergeant and went to Kinsale and gave seven years in Kinsale promoted inspector then in uh, 2000 went to Watford for two years came back in 2002 to Anglesey Street until 2006 and promoted super and then on promotion moved to Galway for up to Gort for 10 months 
came back to Fermoy then for six months, then back to Gronobara Super in 2008 until 2016, and uh, promoted Chief Super in 2016. I uh, went to Kerry for six months and came back to West Cork then November, December of, of 2016. And uh, I suppose then in the last 12 months uh, took over Cork North Division along with Cork West Division. So Cork County Division as it will be known going forward. So you've seen all levels of Ungarda Shikana over the years and the experience with that. And I suppose the organisation con itself, it has changed, but also the style of policing over those 40 years has changed along with public behaviour and attitude. Absolutely. And I suppose, you know, when I came out in, in 1983, you had very little legislation, you had your common law powers and um, uh, you depended quite a lot actually on, on you know, Everybody has heard of the Offences Against the State Act and, you know, you had scheduled offences under that. And, for example, if somebody committed criminal damage, they were, uh, you know, could be arrested under the Malicious Damage Act and, and detained under Section 30, which is probably, you know, stretching it a bit at the time. But thankfully, in 1984, the new Criminal Justice Act came in. And I'd say between that and 2000, there was probably anything up to 100 pieces of new legislation came in. Obviously, it changed uh, policing, I suppose, in, in a big way, in you know how we done our business, how arrests were carried out, what type of crime could be investigated, but not alone that, I suppose, globally crime changed and um, the demands on policing, you know, became bigger and and you were different types of crime that were unheard of say in the seventies and the eighties, you know, and with the development of IT and everything, and, and I suppose on, you know, you can see today how online fraud, for example, has developed, and obviously we have to keep abreast of that. But not alone that, legislation has to be brought in to deal with quite a lot of that type of crime now as well. And you can see, you know, on, on, on a monthly basis, changing and new legislation coming in. And when you look at the changing face of crime and the different legislation that was introduced, which uh, thankfully has been used over the years, uh, that's just one aspect of the role. I mean, there's so many aspects, but I think uh, from speaking to Gardy over the year in our Garda Falcon, uh, you'd have to identify one of the toughest has to be uh, following a tragic accident whereby if it's on the road or elsewhere, you're the ones that are going out to this accident. And then usually uh, the ones going to the door of the family to deliver what can be in many instances tragic news Absolutely and, and unfortunately I suppose every year I know in Cork North I think this year so far we have one fatality in Cork West um, I think we have an excess of seven and look you know, you know, the, the families that are left behind you know suffering probably for the rest of their lives I suppose as a young guard I can recall you know on many a dark night having to go to the door of families and you know 2, 3, 4 a.m. in the morning and to bring that bad news, and often you would maybe collect the local parish priest as well, especially if it was out in a rural area, and, and that because obviously you'd be depending on local knowledge and that as well. And, you know, at times, you know, it could be a vulnerable person, it could be an elderly person that you would be going to the door to. So you obviously would have to carry out your recognizance and, and uh, reconnaissance to see if, 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 you know, who was in the house and that, and to know where you were going. But when you deliver that news, it's devastating for that person, for that family. And that, and, and, you know, once you go there, you often find that you have to you sit down with them because obviously, you know, they're in a state of shock and you don't know how they're going to react. You know, you need to contact the local doctor. You need to contact family and that as well to make sure that they're cared for and that. So, you know, in any of those, it's, it's you know, it was probably one of the hardest jobs that any frontline guard would have to do is to, to break that news. 
Yeah, and while the family will be going through an extremely tough time, it must have a, an impact on the guard delivering that news. I've spoken to many over the years who have done that and they said you, know, you can be getting all the training you need in a guard at college, but you either are born with this empathy or not to deliver that news because if you're going, as you mentioned, to someone's door at 2am or 4am in the morning and they open the front door and they see the guard at the door, they know you're not calling in for a quick chat or a cup of tea. Absolutely, and, and and you know, I suppose definitely, you know, thankfully the organisation has moved on and put in counselling services and supports. And like I give it, you go to sudden deaths where you have a cottage, for example, where a child or a baby has died, and uh, you know, having to deal, you know, obviously the parents, obviously, you know, from a legal perspective, from Gaudi Shikana has a function to do on that. But you may have young members there who may have a child similar age at home, you know, and mm. that can have a huge effect, uh, you know, mentally on, on anybody that's dealing with that. And uh, it was thankfully we have peer support set up within within the organization where we have people trained in peer support. And uh, not alone that, then I suppose, you know, we have our employee assistance programs and that, which are, are needed and thankfully they are there now, but you go back to the 70s and the 80s and in, even into the 90s, you did not have that. And, um, you know, oftentimes members could you know, come back to the station and they just have the cup of tea or whatever and then the next thing they're back out on to the next call that they get, you know, which, you know, can be very, very difficult for somebody. And as you have said, John Paul, some people are cut out for it and, and others are not. And that's where the usually the local sergeant, I suppose, will make the choice on who's best to deliver news if they had the luxury of that, depending on resources. But then we were speaking and touching on roads there, and we will be very alert and aware of the road checks from Gardaí to do with drink driving. But it's gone now from just drink con to drugs, which have changed society a lot, first of all, on the roads, but also in relation to crimes and behaviour for late night venues. Absolutely, and I suppose, like, you, you know, the Road Traffic Act came out in 1961, for example, and has gone through massive change in that time, and I think anybody in, say, back in the 60s wouldn't, couldn't envisage seeing people, you know, being arrested for drug driving, for example, and that legislation has come in in the last four years, and, um, you know, I know the latest statistics before I retired last week, it'd be about 70% of the people that are arrested for uh, drug driving and 30% drink. So in every 10 people arrested out on our roads, seven are for drugs and then three for drink. And certainly you could not see that or foresee that, if you know, five years ago, for mm. example. Even. And uh, I suppose, look, it, it, you know, it just goes to show as well the amount of drugs that are out in society there. And obviously there is scourge in every town and every rural area as well and then that and um, just goes to show that you know the demand that's out there for them yeah, and the demands amongst all. I mean, I think people have it in their heads that it's certain members of society do are dealing with drugs, but it's it's evident it's all over, isn't it? It doesn't matter who you are at this stage. The, everybody seems to be using drugs or gaining them or accessing them from somewhere, whether they're middle class or higher class or wherever. Well, uh, absolutely, and and that, and I suppose you know it's, it's a parent's worst nightmare. And I've seen our frontline members in our divisional drug units. You know, they, they deal with you know parents very empathetically, as was in the sense that parents often come to the cars looking for help, where their son or daughter may have got hooked on drugs, and then you know looking for support, looking for help, and obviously looking to know how they can help them and what supports they can get them. And thankfully, as was, we have been in a position, you know, to assist in that and 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 that and. You know, where, you know, there wouldn't be prosecutions, for example, and that, and, you know, a file would go to the DPP and outlining the very 
extenuating circumstances maybe where families find themselves with kids and that. And, um, you know, parents shouldn't be afraid to come forward to any guard station or to their local community guard or indeed to the divisional drugs unit if they find that, you know, their children are in difficulty there. And obviously they will point them in the right direction where supports can be got, be it through the HSE, be it through voluntary groups that, for example, you can say youth support services down in West Cork do tremendous work there in the background as well. And there are many other support groups out there that are willing to help out. And people shouldn't be afraid to act, you know, to access those. And then, you know, those supports are available. And while you mentioned supports there, a lot of issues you deal with now within Angarda Chicana around mental health. It's a very uh, sensitive area uh, for, for those involved in dealing with different issues that occur where the Gardaí either have to be called out or have to deal with a situation. Absolutely, John Paul. And I think it's, especially during COVID over the last three years, it has become very evident, I suppose. And, you know, you've, you know the Gardaí were out there along with, you know, health service executive tools and, and many of the voluntary organizations and, you know, where they were calling upon, I suppose, or vulnerable or elderly or needy. And indeed, they came across, I suppose, quite a lot of people that were suffering mentally and that as well. And, you know, we see it on a daily basis now as well in the aftermath of COVID. The amount of it that is out there is frightening. And I suppose, you know, I, I think it'll probably get worse before it gets better. And, and again, look, people shouldn't be afraid to pick up the phone and either ring their local community guard public health nurses are out there as well in the communities and that and um, I suppose there's a good network between Angola Chicago, the health service you know public health nurses and that out there and people shouldn't be afraid or if neighbours are aware of somebody that is suffering that with you know they shouldn't put it on the long finger they should obviously try and seek support try and seek help out there and that and it's important that we do that, but certainly it is a huge challenge for police and it's a huge challenge for our health service at the moment. Yeah, and thankfully there's a lot of voluntary organisations right across Cork as well who are providing assistance uh, regarding mental health and that is helping families in the area. Uh, Con, yeah, just when we and, touched, and as, yeah. as you mentioned that, John Paul, yeah. I, I'd just like to thank as well. Certainly it was very evident over you know the past three years with mm. COVID, the amount of sporting organisations and other voluntary organisations that came to the fore and, and that, and I suppose the good that came out of that was, you know, there was databases, I suppose, from a Garda perspective of all, or elderly or needy or vulnerable out there, you know, have been created and that. And look, it's very important. You have very good neighbours out there. And again, I want to thank those because they certainly looked out for our elderly. They got their medication. They got food for them and that. And uh, just because we're coming to the end of COVID, they shouldn't forget that. We're going probably to a long, hard winter now again. And, and to encourage those people again, you know, to, to help out again. But on behalf of Garda Chicana, I want to thank the public for that and thank the voluntary groups. They do untold work out in the background there and, you know, give great assistance out in communities. A lot of it going unnoticed in that. And I wish to thank them for that. Yeah, true. And uh, only for some of those voluntary groups, it would be a very different country indeed. So what we touched on crime there, uh, Con, earlier, one of the biggest cases for the West Cork Division is the investigation into the murder of Sophie Tuscan de Plantier in Tourmore near Skull in 1996, still unsolved. And while the case is now live, so we can't say a lot on this, do you feel this time the murder can be solved? Well, as well, that's a very difficult question, you know, but uh, certainly there's a full cold case review. Obviously, you have to be very careful because it's a very live investigation now. Uh, there are a full team of 20 people working on it. Uh, have started about three months ago. 
uh, that investigation will probably go on for another, certainly in excess of 12 months, probably 15 months. Uh, there's a very good team on it. And um, look, who knows? Uh, fingers crossed that obviously it's important that closure could be put on it and that, that it could be brought to a successful conclusion. But uh, I think we have some of our best people on it at the moment. So it'll be very interesting. It's something I'll be watching closely in my retirement. So I wish the investi- investigation team every success going forward with it. And in crimes like this with murder, there's more resources now, but also technology has changed, Con. Uh, so it can technology, first of all, is more available to Gardaí now, but it can give them more leads as well than maybe as 20, previous years, as in 20 or 30 years ago. I suppose, yes, like, you know, the advancement in DNA and, and obviously new methodologies as well and, and new ways of, 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 you know, investigating crimes certainly has come on in leaps and bounds over the, the past 20 years. You know, police forces, I suppose, do a lot of training together now, not alone throughout Europe, but globally. And that, and you know, best practice is obviously brought into every force and, and utilised. And I suppose not alone that, then, you know, with the advancement in science, you have new technology now as well. And you, you've touched on it there, I suppose. You see our guards out on the, on the roads with the mobile phone now in the hand. They're actually called mobility units. And... Um, I suppose as gas going back there maybe over the last 12 months, two years, you had some members of the public ringing in and saying that the, the guard was playing with his mobile phone out on, on a checkpoint. When in fact he wasn't, whereas the new technology actually is, you know, there's quite a lot of apps on it. For example, it can read the number plate of your car and tell who the owner of the car is. It can tell the guard if the car is taxed. It can tell if there's insurance from the car. It can tell if there's, you know, has been fine on the spots issued for it or if it has been involved in crime, for example. And that's a huge advancement for any guard out on a checkpoint to have. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That information, and he can be very selective. He or she can be very selective then, and who they stop or who they pull in. You know, obviously, if everything is in order, the public have nothing to fear, and then you know you'll find that you just drive on through the checkpoint, and then will be way of done. But if, obviously, if there's something amiss, you'll find yourself, you know, pulled over to the side of the road. 
and that's the technology aspect that can tell the, the guards tread away on the roadside of tax or whatever is out. And I would say that, and I suppose yeah. they're adding to that. For example, I see there and another new app that will be coming onto it very shortly. For example, is the, you know where you have microchipping of dogs and horses. Mm. That the guard will be able to scan, run his phone over the, the dog's neck or the horse's neck and be able to tell exactly, you know, who that animal is, is registered to, which is another, you know, valuable asset to have on the side of the road if they stop somebody with, you know, for example, a couple of dogs in, in, in the car or, or a couple of horses in, in a horse box behind the car, they'll be able to tell exactly who owns them. And that can reunite them back to their owners, which leads me on to some good deeds uh, that you have done, Con, over the years. And Joy, what I mentioned in crime there and various aspects of the force, uh, there is a lot of good too that uh, has brought happiness to people. Oh, absolutely, and that, and, and certainly as well, you know, in communities that you see there on a, on a regular basis. For example, you know, you may have a woman giving birth to a baby and obviously leaves it late getting, as you know, the, the Cork University Hospital now is the mater- main maternity hospital here and I see it coming in from North Cork or West Cork on a regular basis where, you know, they may leave home late and, and find that they need to get a guard escort or indeed, you know, the guardie may end up, you know, having to assist with the delivery of a baby. So you can imagine, I suppose, the, the joy of, of, you know, bringing life into the world or being as- associated with that, you know. True, yeah. There can be very happy occasions are, you know, often there's a lot of I suppose, serious searches done out there as well for missing people and, you know, the joy that's there, especially if those people are found living in that, it's, you know, overwhelming for, for the family and not alone for family but for the guards as well involved in those type of investigations and, and scenarios. Well, before we let you go, Con, a number of texts in, all wishing you well. Uh, first of all, a lot of your colleagues in Cork North and Cork West uh, wishing you well, but also Councillor Declan Hurley uh, says, uh, wishing Con well on his retirement and thank him for his service to Cork and me as a public representative over the years. And Phyllis also on WhatsApp says, congratulations to Con on his retirement. Behind every good man, there is also a good woman, as in Con's case, it's a Margaret, a former colleague of Phyllis's and a real uh, lady. So good luck to you both, says Phyllis. And then we have a listener who doesn't want the name mentioned, which is fine, and I, I understand why. Because in your time, Con, as in, in the Cork West Division as Chief Superintendent, you were over and oversaw the opening of the Protected Services Unit in Dunmanway. And we know that organisations were campaigning for this for many years. Uh, and this lady says, you don't realise how much safety this has brought to people in the area who would have to travel elsewhere which is tough if you had to leave an area to get to Cork City in certain circumstances. This has brought an important service to West Cork in Dunmanway. So, of course, that is a, a specialised yeah. unit there with the Gardaí. Absolutely. And, and look, I suppose to be remiss of me not to mention my wife, Margaret, yeah. and my two girls, um, Ashling and Emer, you know, for the support there, because as you say, you know, policing isn't easy. It's a 24-7 often, and, you know, you're away from home a lot and can't be out and getting up a lot, you know, unusual hours of the night maybe if something serious happens in that and, and look it, it can be unsettling for a family and I wish to thank them as well for their support over the years and, and can... uh, as, as you touched on the protective services unit I think that was one of the I suppose very good units that has been set up in the last five years and thankfully it's going from success to success and hopefully it will make our communities and, and obviously women in that out there who are vulnerable in society as well and not safer and, and that you know, that they won't be afraid to come forward and, and report the domestic crime or sexual related crime. Will you miss everything about Angarda Shikona and your work on a daily basis that you've just got so used to? 
Well, naturally, yeah, I suppose when you're in an organisation for 40 years, you certainly will miss some of it. But on the other hand, I suppose, you know, it's good to be able to enjoy life as well and hopefully get to a few rugby matches and, yeah. you know, play a bit of golf as well. So looking forward to that. And from your point of view, what do you feel now into the future as you step away from the Garda Force? What's their biggest challenge going forward? Well, I suppose resourcing, look, will be because there's such demand out there now for resources and a shortage in, the, you know, a lot of the workplace that, you know, they, they may find it difficult to, to, you know, recruit members and that as well. And that, and I know that there was a class, for example, to go in in mid-October and unfortunately they were not able to fill that. I think that's gone back to the end of November and, and that, so, look, that certainly is going to be a huge challenge for our commissioner, I think, you know, resourcing certainly will be over the next two to five years and trying to encourage people into the organisation. Look, it is a very modern organisation, it can be a very rewarding job, but like when you're competing with, you know, the IT industry and science and other industries out there who are obviously, you know, offering probably good wages and good salaries, maybe much above what they would get in Angarshi Khan. And that's the challenge, I think, that the commissioner will face, having to get young people into the organisation. OK, we'll wait and see what happens in the future regarding the recruitment issues. But for the moment, Con, best of luck to you. A lot of people are wishing you well. Uh, and thank you for over the years for joining us here on various occasions uh, on C103. Enjoy the golf, enjoy the rugby uh, and enjoy your retirement. Thanks, John Paul. And thanks to you on the media as well for all your support over the years. Thank you. That is Superintendent Con Cadigan uh, retiring from the police uh, force uh, on Gardaí Con uh, uh, after 40 years of policing, as you heard him say there, the entire county of Cork over the last number of years. We wish him well. On the way, we're going to discuss eye health. Have you a problem with your eyes or have you ever noticed something wrong with your eyes? Will we discuss that next? C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Retina is an annual conference for people with sight loss and their families. It's organised by Fighting Blindness and it returns to Ireland tomorrow and to Dublin for its first in-person event since 2019. Dr. Darina Dempsey is Vice Chair of Fighting Blindness based in Yule and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Darina. Good morning, John Paul. Pleasure to be here. And thank you for joining us. Some really interesting speakers at the event this weekend and many are discussing some really cutting-edge clinical trials underway, uh, which will hopefully in the future help with those sight problems. Absolutely. We're delighted to have a really international group speaking at the conference tomorrow. Um, where Our headline speaker is Ben Schaberman from the Foundation Fighting Blindness USA. Um, and he'll be talking about the cutting-edge clinical trials that are underway. We're also delighted to have participants from Moorfields Eye Hospital in the UK, as well as two of our eminent consultants in Ireland here, Professor David Keegan from the Matter and Dr Emma Dignan from the Royal Victoria Eye and Ear Hospital, all informing the sight loss community in Ireland of the great breakthroughs and research that's un- underway worldwide in relation to treating and hopefully eventually curing sight loss for the community. And we have spoken to people before who have attended a conference like this or, or this very one and they feel they come away with some hope when they hear of the new developments out there and coming down the track regarding sight. No doubt about it. Absolutely no doubt about it. I think it's really empowering for patients to hear and interact with the researchers themselves, the clinicians themselves, it really brings the whole community together. It's unique in that way, and we're thrilled to be back in person this year. There are up to 
270,000 plus people in Ireland living with blindness or sight loss. This is a really important day for them. And we're delighted this year that we're back in person, but we also have the facility to join remotely. Um, And if people would like to register, the registration is still open on www.fightingblindness.ie. Um, and the event itself is taking place in the Radisson Blue Royal Hotel on Golden Lane in Dublin too. And again, everyone welcome in person also. And while we all worry about different aspects of our health, would you say from even speaking with ourselves here this morning in the studios, uh, eye care, it's kind of the last one on the list we think of? It is. And, and, and our own uh, research manager, Dr. Ellen Moran, has developed a really nice list of seven top tips for managing your eye health. And they range from nutrition, making sure you're getting the right vitamins and minerals in your diet and how to go about that. Um, Exercise, critically important for eye health as well, along with things like, you know, protecting your eyes appropriately with the correct eyewear, whether that's sight glasses or or sunglasses, good polarised sunglasses. and as well as managing your own eye condition effectively, working with your GP, your consultant, to make sure that your eyes are protected and maintained healthy at all times. And when you mention nutrition there, I mean, there is certain vitamins, I presume so, that we should be taking uh, to improve or to uh, make sure our eyesight is maintained. Absolutely. There are some um, key minerals like zinc, copper and selenium, as well as some of the more the, the antioxidant vitamins like A, C and E that can all help to maintain eye health. And, and those Yeah, just go are, on. those those vitamins and minerals are can be taken in your through your diet, leafy green vegetables particularly, and omega three fatty acids um, found in salmon, mackerel, cod and other fish. So you can get these vitamins and minerals from your diet, but you can also supplement those and you could talk to your pharmacist or your GP about that. And just one thing, uh, as we're speaking regarding vitamins for the eyes and how to improve them, something that's probably disimproving your eyesight over the years, and I'm sure, uh, Darina, wherever you are, uh, if you're passing a bus stop or even walking down the street, most people nowadays have their head downs on our phones and we're looking at screens more so. That must be having a huge strain on our eyes over uh, the last 10 or 20 years or will we notice this problem later down the line? That's absolutely true. I think we all need to manage our exposure to on-screen time. We spend an awful lot more time now than we did in the past on our screens. Um, and if you have any concerns about your eyes in that regard, I think it's it's really wise to routinely visit your optician or your ophthalmologist and make sure that your eye health is good and being maintained. And a number of texts in from people who are waiting for appointments and I suppose there is a phrase, don't turn the blind eye. Uh, so for those Correct. who are waiting appointments in eye clinics and our hospitals, should they continue to push their GPs on this or, or the clinic that they are waiting on? Because we are aware of our public health service and the waiting list within our public health service that people unfortunately are waiting for. Uh, so it's time to keep the pressure on, I suppose. That's right. That's right. You're your own best advocate in these things. And there are delays in our systems there. We've heard about them across all the different therapeutic areas. But definitely keep the pressure on with your GP or the clinic that you're connected with, the consultant clinic that you're connected with, and make sure that you're getting your regular appointments and attending those appointments. 
Okay, well, best of luck with the conference tomorrow, uh, Darina, and uh, indeed, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of interest over the next uh, while on eye health, as it is something that we need do need to speak more on. But thanks for joining us this morning in the program. No problem at all, JP. It's been a pleasure. And as I say, www.fightingblindness.ie to register for the event tomorrow. Excellent. Thank you for that. That is Dr. Darina Dempsey, who's vice chair of Fighting Blindness. She's based in Yole, but you can register, as she said, if you want to look and hear what is being said tomorrow at that event. Some great information there regarding our eye health, fightingblindness.ie. You can register on that website. Cork today until 1, JP, in for Patricia for the midterm. She's back on Monday. Bernie taking your comments on the phone right now, 0818103103, or you can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103103 ahead. We'll be going to the movies with Mark after 12.30 and shortly our showbiz man Crossy is joining us as we look ahead to the return of I'm a Celebrity this year back in Australia. He'll join us shortly on that but a lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we have been discussing across the morning and one is to do with Minister Simon Harris who is selling his Audi car. It's an Audi A6. It's on the market for 43 and a half thousand euros and the reason he's selling this is because it's surplus to requirements. Uh, he's along with other ministers uh, mainly due to security are being provided by a state car or with a state car and indeed a guard driver. Uh, taxpayers you and me are paying for this and Maura isn't happy. She's saying that is just so sad for him. His poor Audi. Excuse my language uh, says Maura and we can't say exactly what Maura has said on WhatsApp but she says while we are struggling to stay warm uh, he is just overpaying and selling his Audi at that price. My blood is boiling, uh, says Maura on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And a similar uh, WhatsApp in from Kay, who says, just hearing your story on the Bernardo survey and how families are struggling to put food on the table for their children. And then we have the others in society selling Audis worth 43k. What a divisive Ireland we live in when it comes to the rich and poor, says Kay. And then, our health service which we discussed earlier in the show and this was on the uh, waiting times for ambulances first of all and then if you're unfortunately have to go and visit A&E this uh, winter well the HSC have said you could be spending 24 hours on a trolley uh, Joe is in Kilmallock Joe says he lost his wife to cancer four years ago and they had to wait, uh, wait for an hour and a half for an ambulance uh, to arrive when his wife collapsed at home now the ambulance came from another county and there is no improvement in the health services since then. It's like a third world country, says Joe in Kilmallock. And uh, touching again on the food issue, which goes back to our Bernardo survey and people finding it tough to put food on the table for their kids. Uh, John is in Skull. Uh, he says, if the government ministers in each county put one month salary to one side to get food into local community halls to help people to feed their children, it would help a lot. And ministers could well afford to share the money, says John Inskull. And Flighting Blindness, who joined us regarding eye health just before midday. A lot of people who have eye conditions, and we mentioned that regarding appointments in hospitals. And as Dr. Dorina said, the advice 
is to keep pushing. You're your own advocate, so if you are waiting, uh, just keep ringing, keep annoying them so you can maybe uh, get some service from the health system because of the uh, appointments and the waiting lists, which seems to be really uh, bad when it comes to eye health in our country. I know there's waiting lists for everything, but there seems to be a, a longer waiting list uh, when, it go, when it comes to eyes uh, than other services. Anyhow, on this, uh, somebody listening in who says they used to get annual visits to the hospital to check their eyes and they haven't. They have a macular degeneration. So because they haven't heard back from the hospital in years, they have tried to get appointments and they've rang and rang. But no, look, it's the University Hospital in Limerick they are attending and this person's eyesight is getting worse at the moment. But they think it's madness that they cannot get an appointment considering uh, this person's condition they just cannot obtain an appointment from UHL in Limerick and then D uh, says that uh, fighting blindness they do just Trojan work and they really help D over her 12 year journey with sight loss uh, giving her great comfort and guidance D says don't neglect your eyes especially when sadly the waiting list in CUH can be for just checking up on eyes in D's case was six years just to go in and get checked without any further treatment after that six years uh, yeah and there is and I've, we've heard that before four to six years for people who want to go into the department within CUH that uh, you'd be seeing for eyes and also a similar it would seem uh, from University Hospital Limerick and that goes back to our discussion earlier on in the show with the Phoenix Health spokesperson Colin Burke uh, when outlining the problems we are facing in this country with our health service, a growing population, but we don't have the staff there to service that growing population. And now competition from the likes of Australia and Canada, who are actively and aggressively recruiting Irish nurses to move to Victoria in Australia, the state of Victoria, Melbourne mainly, uh, or indeed Canada, uh, to avail of better terms and conditions. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApps to 0862103103. And when we spoke there to retiring Superintendent Con Cadigan, who uh, retires from the Guard of Force and outlining the various things that have changed within the Guard of Force over the last 40 years, uh, this person, uh, no name, but they say they're a North Cork listener, asking why don't the Guardi arrest those who sell drugs in every town and village that are out there. Uh, they are those that are known by the Gardaí. It's beyond me why they don't arrest them. And also, this person lives in a town which is full of drugs. The drug dealers actually fight against each other. I've witnessed drug dealing in daytime and nighttime in full view of innocent people, but I dare not go to the Gardaí for fear of retaliation. Uh, well, on the arresting drugs... And any guard uh, will tell you this, and you will see it the odd time. I've seen it myself in city streets whereby you'll see uh, somebody being pushed down a laneway and then the guardie come out of nowhere and they do question them. Now, what happens after that? Do they get arrested? Sometimes they do if they have a substance on them, but they would have to have something on them for it to be questioned. Anyhow, first of all, and then deemed for arrest, uh, or it's known that they are selling the drugs. So evidence is a big thing, as you'll be aware exact evidence while many would be known to Gardaí uh, unfortunately still they have to be caught in the actor uh, have to have evidence of them dealing drugs or selling drugs and while some aren't taken to court the other side then is when they go to court and how many uh, Gardaí and solicitors come out on this saying that they get away with it because of a technicality in the court uh, for one thing or another uh, so a lot of reasons behind that but evidence being the biggest one and why they may be known to Gardaí and maybe on the streets 
uh, the majority of the time they will have to be caught in the act with the substance on them uh, and caught dealing on why maybe they are uh, and the guardie aren't there at the right time uh, and again as Con mentioned that could be to do with resources uh, and they're having massive recruitment issues within Angarnishy Corner first of all people leaving the force like no tomorrow from what it looks like for various reasons uh, and then you have a situation like the teachers whereby if you're placed in and around the Dublin area a guardie and teachers simply can't afford to pay rent and live in that area of Dublin because they're on the same wage as a, a guard living anywhere else in uh, the Republic of Ireland as would a teacher be. So because of the wage difference, they get nothing extra for living in Dublin. So many are going, you know, I can't survive in this and they leave if they can't get transfers, which many can't. Uh, so there's huge recruitment issues in the Gardaí when there's a, a generational of retirement and then they can't get new people in. So there is a lack of resources as well. But when it comes to arresting, uh, uh, given what we've heard over the years evidence but then the evidence goes to court and it gets thrown out so yeah that there is a big issue there and Gardy openly have been admitting that over the years and then when it comes to the avian flu uh, Sheila is asking JP have you any idea starting Monday how long do we have to keep our chickens inside to avoid bird flu well they haven't given that and I have at the moment been checking the information coming from the department and while Monday is the day where uh, flocks will have to be housed inside uh, they don't and for obvious reasons they don't know how long this will last for so they haven't given an end date to put it that way but there is a helpline Sheila and I can give you that helpline if, if it's of any use to you but I don't think anybody's going to know until another few weeks on what or where the Department of Agriculture will do or the decision regarding uh, when this will end but for the moment from Monday yeah, all birds have to be kept inside. The avian flu helpline uh, within the veterinary office of the department is 01 607 2512 so that's a Dublin number 01 607 2512 if that helps you Sheila and just back to our health service because uh, while we're talking about people waiting within A&E's Martin uh, has whatsapped in with an idea that many of us who do end up in in A&E's and do go to our GPs it's all about medication and medication for medical issues has its place in society Uh, but in these emergency departments full of patients hospitals uh, and patients going into hospitals surely it's time to look at what else is out there for medical solutions uh, regarding uh, items whereby if someone's going in to an A&E that they can actually uh, maybe be helped elsewhere and that will do them without clogging up the emergency departments. Martin says uh, for reflexology or acupuncture uh, or other wellness therapy medicines. Prevention is better than cure but Martin feels we should look at towards these more rather than forcing everybody into a hospital when maybe uh, no and he's admitting you some of us will have to go into a hospital for various reasons and indeed be a patient for other reasons in the hospital but there may be people going in that the no need to be or maybe the, the symptom they have uh, can be dealt with before they ever get to a hospital door. Anyhow, uh, Martin, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Kildallery Bingo will be held in the newly renovated old store in the Creamery Yard and that's going ahead this evening. Doors open at 7pm, eyes down for 8 o'clock and bingo in Mallow GA Complex goes ahead tonight at 8.15pm. A fundraising dance in aid of the Irish Community Air Ambulance that will be held in the Fairgrove Hotel in Mitchellstown.
Town on this coming Sunday evening dancing to the Michelle Murphy band and special guest is Pat Mulcrone from 8pm until 11pm and a monster auto jumble and dog show in aid of Liscarroll National School that's going to be held at the Charnival Showgrounds on this coming Sunday morning starting at 9am and the dog show starts at 11.30am and there's going to be a community walk on Sunday the 13th of November starting at Gagan Hall just outside Bandon it's an age of the Jack and Friends and the Krishla Fund in County Donegal you can register there at 10.30am and refreshments will be served afterwards everybody is welcome to join in in that walk Sunday 13th of November starting at Gagan Hall outside Bandon uh, just off the main Bandon to Clonacilty Road You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. I'm a celebrity officially kicks off this Sunday and now we know a UK politician and a pop legend will be joining stars from Loose Woman, Coronation Street and Hollyoaks for the first series done under since 2019 when our showbiz man Crossy looks ahead to this Sunday. Uh, good afternoon to you Crossy. Well, well what, you know what, I'm so happy that we all have TV to watch from Sunday for the next couple of weeks together. I always love that, you know, when you're, you know, I hate when you're watching something on Netflix or Disney or whatever, because everyone watches at a different time. At least with I'm a Celebrity, we are sitting down at nine o'clock on Virgin Media and we're all watching the exact same thing. Well, most of us anyway. So uh, I think I'm more excited about that, that we can just, you know, text someone or put it up on Instagram or put it up on Twitter. Did you see this? Did you see that? And we're reacting at the exact same time. Because that doesn't happen as much as it would have in years gone by with television. Sport really is the big thing. So these kind of shows and these reality shows bring that live TV back to life. And of course, it's back in its spiritual home near Brisbane, Crossy. And we're told we're going to get more new shock trials this year, along with a revamped campsite. This is going to be the, the show of all shows. And the only reason why, as you said, because it hasn't been in Australia in a few years. So I think they're going to try and go, let's go all in. What could we not do? What ideas that we had in three years that we haven't been able to do? And um, They did an I'm a Celebrity special, which is going to be on air next year with all past campmates in South Africa. So I'm wondering if they trialed out some of these brand new trials and like we haven't seen them yet, but they know they work or have they tweaked them? So when they do the live show, which is happening on Sunday, they'll be able to go, oh, we did one, you know, because I don't know if you've known that, that there's a new series happening. I think it's in March of the past campmates from over the past, what, 20 years. But they've recorded that. It's already done. It's already in the can. And they're just waiting to put it out next March. So I'm wondering, is there a lot of um, trials, brand new trials that they've tested out and tweaked to make sure that when they're live this Sunday, it's going to be brilliant for the next three weeks? Possibly. And of course, that show they recorded as well was back up to this show that if anything went wrong, if Australia had to shut yeah. down or something because of COVID, <laughs> that they had something they can just in case. So they, they have everything covered this year. I suppose, Crossy, the biggest publicity yet was the announcement of Matt Hancock, the UK politician, uh, to enter the jungle. Huge publicity uh, across the UK and Ireland on that this week. Do you know what? And it's publicity that I don't know if it's good publicity for I'm a Celebrity. Like, a lot of people in the UK do not like this man. They're sick of him. They, they, you know, all the turmoil that's going on in Britain at the minute, this is the last thing they probably expected. 
that he would be walking into I'm a Celebrity. He's getting about £480,000 to be in it. Like, that is a lot of money. He's the second highest paid this year. Uh, Boy George is the highest paid. Now, I know somebody, this is very random, I know somebody whose other half was in it uh, a good few years ago. And I, I remember asking that question. I was like, will that bring tension on in the campsite when people know how much money? Because I can guarantee you, your man from Hollyoaks is probably only getting about ten or 15000 to be honest. And then you see the likes of By George, what, on a half a million? But they don't know how much money they're getting because they've been in isolation for about a week now. So they have no tablets, no phones, no nothing. And they're on their own. So the next time they have public, you know, to be seeing people is when they're in the camp. So they're away from all the media storm. I can guarantee you Matt Hancock hasn't got a clue what's going on or hasn't, you know, has no idea that people, I know there's a, there's a newspaper in the UK. Their front page this morning was, let's get him to do every single trial as payback. So I can see it being very messy like that. You know, are we, as Irish people watching it, going to see a different type of I'm a Celebrity this year? That is the, the British public trying to go, well, look, the likes of Matt Hancock, you, you've really annoyed us. Now we're going to get you back. You're going to have kangaroos, bits or slugs or God knows what else is going to happen over the next while. And it will be interesting to see while he's in there what the others will be saying to him regarding what happened yeah. over the last year. I mean, boy, George never holds back. He may open up and challenge him over what has come out and what they did during all the lockdowns when everybody else was obeying the laws. Some of those politicians were not, or indeed uh, some of the soap actors will be well able to to confront them. Yeah, so some of the people that that's in it, um, Eileen Grimshaw from Carnation Street, absolute legend. I love when they throw, throw in like an old school celebrity and like from the soap. You, I My dream would have Sharon Watts from EastEnders on it. That's who I'd love it. You know, that caliber yeah. of old school celebrity. So this year, the person who that is, is going to be uh, Sue Cleaver, who plays Eileen Grimshaw. Uh, Owen Warner is in Hollyoaks. So for the younger audience who watch, who watch Hollyoaks, I think I'm a celebrity or hoping, you know what, the 15 to 22 year olds will look at Owen and go, oh, we fancy him. He's a lovely fella. Let's watch him. So that's kind of the soap, the soap end of it all. Yeah. Um, I think everybody, if you've ever taken a day off school or a day off work or you've been at home on a Saturday or Sunday, you've stuck on TV and watched a place in the sun and always wished that you had the money to buy a house. Uh, Scarlett Douglas, who's one of the presenters of A Place in the Sun, sorry, she used to be in it a couple of years ago. She's going to be on it as well. So I think I'm, I'm a celebrity. It's kind of like they have a box tick this year of, you know, what type of person will be watching. So you've got the soap people, you've got the people who watch the shows like that. You've got Mike Tyndall, well, a massive sports star who's now married to one of the royals. So you've got the royalists watching it and you've got the sports star people watching it to see what he's going to be like because it's, it's going to be the first ever royalist on I'm a Celebrity, they're saying, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, and Charlene White, she's a presenter. Um, she's been on Loose Women. You want to see, I think she reads the news as well over in the UK. So if you watch Loose Women, that's that box tick. So you're going to have all the Loose Women people tuning in. And then Chris Moyles, I don't know if many people would know him in Ireland. Um, he used to present a breakfast show in the UK for years and years. He still does in London. So he's got that audience there. So they've gone really clever this year, I found, with the amount of people that they have in it and the wide ranging of it. I wonder, are they going to are they going to get on with each other? I think Boy George is going to annoy a lot of people. I think, I think that's why he was probably brought into it. I'd say he can stick up for himself. 
he probably knows how to play up to the cameras and I think he's going to go hell for leather with every single one of them. There's good age demographics in this year's show. You mentioned Owen Warner, who plays Romeo in the Channel 4 soap Holly Oaks, one of the youngest in the jungle this year. Uh, but we always see a good mix with the young and old, don't we, in I'm a Celebrity? Yes, it can. And usually sometimes it's kind of heartwarming seeing that. I know, I remember Boris Johnson's uh, father was in it a few years ago, Stanley Johnson. And he became really good friends with one of those reality TV stars that was in, oh, I forget her name, but she was in, I think she was in um, Made in Chelsea. And like they made a podcast together, they did a TV show together. So I even think maybe it's at the advantage sometimes having a younger person and an older person because you can get to see a different side of life to all them. There is one person who has tipped to win it so far is Jill Scott. She's a former English lioness and, you know, England haven't won the what they win what was it not the world cup they won the the euros the euros there only a couple of months ago and uh, women's football thank god is that the, you know everyone's talking about it. you look at ireland ourselves but in england because they won it jill scott you know everyone knows her and loves her and knows her so i think she's going to be a massive she's going to be very much like the tesk you know when it comes to sports stars england kind of you know like ourselves jump on them and i feel like i think jill if she does it right like she could make a fortune out of it an absolute fortune out of it. Who do you think from yourself, I know you tipped Jill there to be one of the winners, but Crossy, who do you think could win and could shine out? So I think this guy, okay, this guy is either going to be gone the first week or he's going to last to the end. Baba Tunde, he is in Celebrity Gogglebox. He's always with Mo Gilligan in Celebrity Gogglebox. He's a comedian. He's very funny, very heartwarming. He's always has a funny little laugh. I think Baba Tunde could actually do really well in this. I think he could really do well for his career as well. Um, other people, I, I I don't know. I think Matt Hancock, I think he'll be the first one out. I really think yeah. the public aren't going to like him. I think the first choice they're going to get. And I think that's probably the wrong choice as well, only because by having him in there and making him do loads of the challenges, you're, you're missing out on the fun by getting rid of him straight away, if that makes sense. Um, Olivia Atwood um, she was in another reality TV star that's the first time ever having somebody from Love Island on I'm a Celebrity they very much shied away from it over the past while but Olivia Atwood was in 2017's uh, Love Island I think maybe she could start being the nation's favourite I think they're going to see a different side of her you know no no Instagram to hide behind no Love Island you know with the way it's all like storyboarded and all that I think people could see her and go do you know what I really like you. Uh, and I, I think you could see her on this morning or you kind of have to look at things like that as well with I'm a Celebrity. Where do they go afterwards? It's usually this morning. Is there another TV show happening like Steph Pack Lunch? Is the BBC One show? All these little things, you know, have little openings for presenters. And when you're kind of looking at, at who's going to be on the reality TV, I would say the likes of Olivia Atwood will probably do well if she plays the game correct. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. It starts this Sunday at 9pm on Virgin Media or indeed on ITV. For the moment, Crossy, uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Amazing. Thank you. 
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And on I'm a Celebrity, Stephen on WhatsApp saying not everyone will be watching it because for Stephen, it's not his cup of tea. He says, bring on the World Cup. That will be bigger viewing in Ireland, uh, says Stephen on WhatsApp. Well, Stephen, if you're a fan of the World Cup, hopefully you'll be a fan of the Premier League and Premier League Live. It's back on C103.ie with uh, Trevor Welch this Saturday from 2pm powered by TalkSport will bring you live coverage of Manchester City taking on Fulham at 3 o'clock and Everton taking on Leicester City at 5.30 the Premier League live online with Harvey Norman your home of the big screen listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to C103.ie and Mark Malone is here with our movie review hello Mark uh, how you doing do you know I didn't watch I'm a Celebrity for years either I'm, I was with that gentleman for a long time I didn't watch it for years yeah yeah, and then one day um, I sat down, started watching it, and then I became hooked. So. And were interesting. Did you watch it when they were back in Wales? Or did I did watch the Wales. Yeah. The Welsh ones. I thought they were great. I, I mean, I really enjoyed them. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it was a bit different. You know, and rather than you know, we know why they go to Australia so that the two lads can go off and play golf all day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and they've admitted that. Yeah. But the thing is, is that yeah, for the first six or seven series, uh, I didn't watch it at all. I was like, no, this is not for me. And then I started watching it, and now I've watched it ever since. I love it. Interesting, because the Welsh, I enjoyed it in, in Wales, in the castle. Uh, but I was chatting with our own Kintobin earlier, and he prefers Australia. So it's, it's strange the way people prefer mm. either the castle At or... At least Oz. they don't seem to eat live animals anymore. That was the thing no. that used to uh, annoy me and frustrate me uh, in the past. When you go back to the early shows, they used to eat live spiders and, 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 and eat grubs that, that were still alive. They don't do that anymore, thankfully. No, that's all changed now. Uh, let's go to the movies anyhow. First of all, here's a trailer. You went along to see Black Adam. Before a world of heroes and villains, one power ruled it all. Black Adam. He's been asleep for 5,000 years. Black Adam, we're here to negotiate your peaceful surrender. I'm not peaceful. Nor do I surrender. His powers are not a gift, but a curse. Born out of rage. You have two choices. You can be the destroyer of this world. Or you can be its savior. Uh, That is the trailer to Black Adam. Two big names starring in this one, Mark. Go on, name them. We have Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock, and um, Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> which I was surprised didn't think he was doing movies like that, but he is. I know, and he's very good. In yeah. fact, in fact, if anything, he's probably the best thing in it. You know what I mean? I mean, there's not too much emotion in this film because it's just action from start to finish and special effects. And uh, you know, in the past, a lot of DC special effects haven't been great. You know what I mean? Mm. But uh, there's one special moment in the film, and that's Pierce's. And you know, I've been a bit of a. Uh, in the past, I think I've been a critic of Pierce because I think at the start of his career, now he has admitted this himself. I don't think he was particularly good he was always very good looking and we knew that but as the time has gone on he's become a very very good actor and he's very good in this I'm glad to be able to say and the storyline behind this then Mark it's an interesting one it's a good storyline in a way um, this it goes back to 5,000 years and comes to today is that right? Yeah that's the thing um, he is basically a god he's, a, he's immortal and he's been oh. uh, given uh, the um, these incredible powers but the gods decide to imprison him because he's too powerful and 
so 5,000 years later, he comes back here to the, our time, to our 21st century. And basically, the, the world is being kind of ruled by a bunch of kind of thugs and bad guys and gangsters. And uh, a little boy, he becomes kind of friendly with a little boy in the local village. And a little boy says to him, look, you know, you'll help us. Well, in a kind of a Magnificent Seven kind of a way, he yeah. says, you'll help us fight against these bad guys, won't you? And The Rock says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. No, because I'm a bit of an anti-hero, to be honest with you. I'm a bad man. And he constantly tells us throughout the first half of the film that he's a bad man. But how do we know he's not the bad guy? How? Because it's The Rock, John Paul. It's Dwayne Johnson. How could he, he possibly be? He always plays the good boy in any, any movie, doesn't he? So he's kind of persuaded by the young boy to help them out. And then all of a sudden, the Justice Society of America arrive. And they're basically another Justice League. They're another Avengers. And they say to him, look, your powers are... You're just too powerful. We're going to have to take you into custody. And The Rock says, no, that's not going to happen. Because why? I'm a bad man. I, I, I really am. And uh, so then there's basically, they basically battle for the first half of the film. And you spend the first half of the film going, who, who, who are the good guys here then? With the, who, who, who am I supposed to root for? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're this kind makes of absolutely no sense it. whatsoever. Uh, and then, thankfully, a kind of a, a common foe arrives in the character of Sabak in basically the last end of the film. It's almost like we better introduce a bad guy so that The Rock and the, um, the Justice League lot, the Society of America, can get to, together and together battle this kind of common foe. Uh, the weird thing is, is that, I mean, if you came back to life from 5,000 years ago, what's the first thing you would... If you came into the 21st century after being alive 5,000 years ago, what's, what's the first thing you would do? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's a, a, a huge change going from <laughs> the 50s, let's say, to today. I mean... You would, you, well, 5,000 years ago. 5,000 even further, yeah. I mean... You'd, you'd basically know. look around and go, well, this is different. Well, it's and a lot so, different. And so, you know, I've thought at first that the, at least the film would kind of concentrate on that because that would have been kind of cool, you know what I mean, to have this old god from 5,000 years ago suddenly come to our time and go, whoa, oh, planes. Well, that's interesting. You'd be totally but, amused. Exactly. To, but there's none of that. And, it's no. all, and he basically talks as if he's like, you know, just walked out of a restaurant in Hollywood, you know? I mean, it's very, very strange. But basically, it's just action com- from kind of start uh, to finish. Uh, it's PG violence, although it wasn't. I believe the first cut was uh, was a 15 uh, cert. Uh, there were quite there's a lot of violence in it, but they decided no, we want uh, a 12 accompanied uh, cert. So they took all the violence out. It's a straight uh, forward action film. One of the things is that uh, DC's kind of standard of CGI in the past has been poor, but it's actually pretty, pretty good in this. And um, yeah, the weird thing is on Rotten Tomatoes, though the critics haven't liked this very much. I think they're at 40 percent, but the fans. Mm-hmm. At ninety, and I think that uh, fans will like this more because I think they will understand more. They will understand the characters more because a lot of the characters in this are very similar to the characters from DC. For example, the main character of Hawkman here, he's like Falcon. Uh, you've got uh, Doctor Fate, who's very similar to Doctor Strange. You've got Adam Smasher here, who's the Incredible Hulk, basically. Uh, and so, for somebody like me who just basically watches these films and forget about them, uh, you know, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, there's a lot of similarities here. Uh, we've seen all this before, but look. As I say, it doesn't stop. There's a lot of very, very good action sequences and The Rock is always worth watching. And so if you were to ask me what I thought about it, I would say, do you know, it was okay. Oh, all right. And if you raised it, would it be an okay rating? It would be a five. It would be right a in the five. middle. It wasn't terrible, but I wasn't bored at any time. So just a five out of ten uh, for Black Adam. And then you went and you saw Paws of Fury. Uh, this animated, is it? Yeah, I haven't done an animated film or a kind of a family film in quite some time, so I thought I would uh, do this one. There's been a few Paws of Fury films in the past, but I haven't seen them, so I can't compare them, so I've no idea what this is about. The, the thing that piqued my interest here is that it's actually based on Blazing Saddles, the uh, Mel Brooks film, which is oh. one of my favourite films of all time great anti-racist film I saw it again recently so what would help 
is if you do watch Blazing Saddles before you watch this because there's a lot of references to Blazing Saddles there are complete scenes where they are just completely the same and of course as a, a fan of the original movie I loved that about it and the whole film too lots of references to uh, other movies as well to uh, like um, like The Rock and West Side Story Fistful of Dollars and as a movie buff of course I loved all of that I think what they decided to do is they decided to make an animated film for adults basically that the kids will love as well because of course it's got you know cute yeah. you know kittens running around and um, great voice cast you got uh, Ricky Gervais George Takai from uh, Star Trek uh, you got uh, Mel Brooks himself uh, makes an appearance in one of the voices on this so he didn't feel precious about his film being kind of redone as an animated film which is good to see Michelle Yeoh is, is another one of those uh, voiceover artists the first three jokes really really land and I, I laughed out loud after that they weren't so great after that it basically becomes Kung Fu Panda really um, there's, a, there's a training se- sequence in it which just goes on forever and I think that's part of the problem uh, it, need, it needed better editing and cutting but um, and, uh, there's a lot of jokes here which are a bit on the adult side by the way which the kids fo- hopefully won't get the adults will uh, as I said I think it's an adult film that uh, you know that kids will enjoy and, um, and in the end look, I, I did tire of it I think it, it ran out of steam uh, which is a bit of a shame but look you know the, the kids will love it for, uh, for you know the animation of the cartoon and uh, the standards are very, very good. And the storyline then, but uh, behind the whole film itself, is, is this about the the Hank, the lovable dog that you mentioned there? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the the, the world is dominated. Uh, it's 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 Japan of old um, oh. at the time of you know um, samurais, and he wants to become a samurai. This dog. Okay. But cats okay. dominate uh, the the world, and he's sent in as if you remember Blazing Saddles as the sheriff mm. who will hopefully not succeed and not win, and that's the idea of Ricky Gervais who sends him in there because he thinks the cats will just kill him. Uh, but uh, he becomes uh, the hero uh, of the film. And, um, you know, the, the, Michael Sarah does a great job uh, as the voice of Hank. And I did, I, I enjoyed a lot of it, but a lot of it didn't land, unfortunately. Okay, and out of 10, how would you rate this one? Uh, right smack in the middle again, I'm afraid. I'll give it a five. Oh, five. So five out of 10 also for Pause of Fury. Mark, thank you for that. You're and welcome. we will chat to you next week. That is Mark Malone with our movie review. Now, what we mentioned earlier in the week regarding housing and banking, uh, some news this morning that Revolution. Uh, the banking app they are going to target the mortgage market in this country and I suppose not a bad thing if you have more in Ireland providing mortgage services so the new mortgage offering from Revolut well it's going to be all done in its app everything would include instant responses so that was speed things up compared to the usual way we have to go and apply for mortgages uh, they're going to call, they're calling it a frictionless experience uh, that is 100% digital so within the app you apply for the mortgage you select the house you want to buy and then you will be emailed at the same time and everything will be done online and digital uh, they want to change uh, the market and the way mortgages and application for mortgages work here in Ireland uh, whether that will work for them or not we'll have to wait and see but certainly if there's more in Ireland offering mortgages that has to be a good thing. Uh, we're back on Monday uh, from 10am. Patricia Messenger is back after the return from 10am on Monday where we'll be discussing the postcode lottery when it comes to rest by beds. Also the future of the Bottle Hill site talks to use this uh, as a construction waste site. That and more to come along with. Have you noticed the cost of your insurance increasing? Your car insurance it was supposed to go down uh, but it hasn't really and if it has gone down not by a lot uh, considering claims seemingly are gone down. You can email across the weekend your thoughts on the cost of insurance to Cork today at c103.ie have a fantastic weekend my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced across the week have a great weekend I'm John Paul McNamara 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.